So I'll give you a little bit of extra time to find that one. Okay, 2 Chronicles chapter 24 and verses 1 to 16. Don't get muddled up with Corinthians, will you? Because that's a, you know, it's a funny story about that, isn't there, Sarah? <laughs> I asked Sarah to do a reading from Corinthians. I can't remember, 1 Corinthians 3, I think it was. And she found 1 Chronicles 3, which was a long genealogy. And she was <laughs> not happy with me. <laughs> so tonight, 2 Chronicles chapter 24. says, Joash was seven years old. When he became king, and he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zebiah of Beersheba. Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the priest. And Jehoiada took two wives for him, and he had sons and daughters. Now it happened after this that Joash set his heart on, on repairing the house of the Lord. Then he gathered the priests and the Levites and said to them, Go out to the cities of Judah and gather from all Israel money to repair the house of your God from year to year and see that you do it quickly. And I wonder if we could just drop the volume just a little touch just to stop the, uh, there's a high pierce. Thanks Dave, so much. However, the Levites did not do it quickly. So the king called Jehoiada, the chief priest, and said to him, Why have you not required the Levites to bring in from Judah and from Jerusalem the collection, according to the commandment of Moses, the servant of the Lord, and of the assembly of Israel, for the tabernacle of witness? For the sons of Athaliah, that wicked woman, had broken into the house of God and had also presented all the dedicated things of the house of the Lord to the Baals. Then at the king's command, they made a chest and set it outside at the gate of the house of the Lord. And they made a proclamation throughout Judah and Jerusalem to bring to the Lord the collection that Moses, the servant of God, had imposed on Israel in the wilderness. Then all the leaders and all the people rejoiced, brought their contributions and put them into the chest until all had given. So it was at that time when the chest was brought to the king's official by the hand of the Levites, and when they saw that there was much money, that the king's scribe and the high priest's officer came and emptied the chest and took it and returned it to its place. Thus they did day by day and gathered money in abundance. The king and Jehoiada gave it to those who did the work of the service of the house of the Lord. And they hired masons and carpenters to repair the house of the Lord, and also those who worked in iron and bronze to restore the house of the Lord. So the workmen laboured, and the work was completed by them. They restored the house of God to its original condition and reinforced it. When they had finished, they brought the rest of the money before the king and Jehoiada. They made from it articles for the house of the Lord, articles for serving and offering, spoons and vessels of gold and silver, 
And they offered burnt offerings in the house of the Lord continually all the days of Jehoiada. Praise the Lord. Well, that's the origins of the uh, financial offering box in the church <laughs> or in the uh, uh, in the temple as it was originally and how uh, uh, the, uh, the the collection of money uh, began really in the days of the temple and that's going to have a little bit of bearing on our story tonight from the New Testament so I hope that's of interest to you we're going to sing our new song. turn with me please uh, well, we're going to look at Luke 21 but first of all I'd like you to turn with me to Luke chap- um, Mark chapter 12 Mark chapter 12. We're going to be looking tonight at Luke 21 verses 1 to 4, but I'd like us to read the parallel account in Mark as well, just to uh, gather a couple of little bits of extra information there. This morning, uh, Margaret said to me, are you all right for speaking at the Monday meeting? And I said, yes, yeah, that's fine. She said, about 20 minutes. (laughs) By which I take, I take it that she's worried I'm going to go on as long as I did this morning. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to try and be shorter tonight. Let's have a look at verse 41 of, Luke, of Mark chapter 12, verse 41. Mark 12:41. Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury. And many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which make a quadrant. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. For they all put in out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. Now let's read the the same account in Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21 verses 1 to 4. And there's not many differences, uh, well not differences, extra pieces of information uh, given in the two readings. Mark is the slightly longer one but uh, there are just a couple of little bits there. But it says here in, in Luke 21, and he looked up And saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow putting in two mites. So he said, truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all. For all these out of their abundance have put in offerings for God. But she out of her poverty put in all the livelihood that she had. I heard that there were 11 men sorry, 11 people who were hanging on a cable in a rescue effort by a helicopter search team. And uh, there was a crisis situation. There were 10 men and one woman that were hanging on this rope waiting for the helicopter to come and rescue them. But uh, while they were hanging there, they realized that this rope wasn't actually strong enough to take the weight of all of them. And so uh, they realized that one of them was going to have to sacrifice themselves for the, other, for the others. And uh, no one seemed to be able to uh, 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 come up with a, a volunteer. Eventually, the lady spoke up and said that she would do it. And she made a very touching speech. 
she said that she would voluntarily get, let go of the rope because as a woman she was used to giving up everything for her husband and kids and for men in general without ever getting anything in return. And as soon as she finished her speech, all the men began clapping. <laughs> you know, sometimes you ladies are a lot smarter than us men. And tonight we're going to look at a lady who was smarter than all the men in the temple. And a lady who was a widow. If I was to ask you, what was the last public act that the Lord Jesus did before going to the cross? The last public act, not his upper room discourse and things like that, washing the disciples' feet. But what was his last public act he did before going to the cross? I wonder what you would have said. Well, the fact is, the last public act he did was he went to the temple and he sat down in the treasury. Now, the treasury was a place where the Lord Jesus often actually was and often taught. We remember the, the woman caught in the act of adultery was brought to Jesus when he was in this area. Uh, and it was a place where Jesus often went to teach. It was a part of what was called the court of the women. And the court of the women was one of the courts of the temple. There were several courts, but the court of the women was one that both sexes could go in. Uh, after that, the next court was for uh, the priests and the men. Uh, but the, the court of the women was this one here that had the treasury in it. And around the wall of the treasury, there were 13 trumpet-shaped collection boxes, like the ones we read about in the book of Chronicles. They had what looked on top of it like a, an old-fashioned megaphone. You know the old HMV advert, the big trumpet-shaped thing? Well, it had well, one of those things on top. And the idea was it was bent so nobody could put their hand in to get the money out, but they could put the money in and it would uh, uh, let the money down inside. So they had 13 of these around the edge of the treasury. And these were divided up between nine of them, which were for specific offerings. And then there was uh, another four that were for general maintenance and gifts towards the temple. And as the Lord Jesus was in the temple for the last time, he just had one of those grueling cross-examinations with the Pharisees and the scribes where they'd just been trying to catch him out on his words. And every time he had, he had responded with great wisdom and, and tied them up in knots. But at the end of it, he went and sat down in the treasury. And he must have put his head in his hands and perhaps prayed. And then it says here, he looked up. And he saw the rich putting in their gifts into the treasury. And the last act that the Lord Jesus did was to sit in the treasury and watch the people giving. Isn't that interesting? And you know what? Sometimes we, we forget that God does take an interest in our giving. And uh, the, the act of the Lord Jesus here showed that he is watching and seeing are giving. And he saw something remarkable. He saw not only the, the, the rich giving in their money uh, out of great abundance, as Jesus said here, uh, out of their, their, their wealth, but he saw a widow. Now, we're not told that she was an old widow. That's the assumption that lots of the commentators make, but we're not told how old she was. We're just told that she was a widow. Uh, and she comes along and she puts in two very small coins 
And they are two, what is called here in the King James, or New King James, mites. And they're called that because they're very small. And in the original, uh, uh, if, if archaeologists have found on them, they, it was very hard to mint an image on them. And what was meant to be a star ended up looking like a little bug. And people thought it was a mite, so that's how it got its name. But they were so small, uh, and they were worth next to nothing. Uh, in fact, if I just find out the, uh, find the page, the value of them was 128 of these little mites was the equivalent to a Roman denarius. Now, a denarius was a day's pay. So you would need 128 mites to, uh, uh, to equal one denarius for a laborer's day's pay. Somebody has said in, uh, in one of the study Bibles I looked at, in an eight-hour workday, one of these coins, which in Greek is called a lepton, would be worth less than four minutes' wages. That's how small amount they were. But the amazing thing was that this was this lady's whole offering. This was everything she had. And the Lord Jesus saw her put it in the offering box. The others put in out of their abundance, but she put in, as he said here, out of all her livelihood, out of everything she had. This was her total financial wealth. What an amazing, amazing thing this was that the Lord Jesus saw. You know, the Lord Jesus did many great, mighty miracles of power. But at the end of his life, he drew attention to a mighty miracle of grace. That a widow who was poor should give all that she had to the service of God. And it's an amazing event. And I want us to look at this tonight and see what we can learn from it. You know, someone has said, if you think that women are the weaker sex, try pulling the duvet back over to your side. Well, I say... If you want to see somebody who shows up, all the men, have a look at the widow in this passage because she is amazing. And I think we can learn three things about her. We can see, what we can learn from this is about her Lord, her love, and her life. So a very simple little message tonight, but I, I want us to draw out three things from it. First of all, we can learn about her Lord from this passage now, who was her Lord? It was the Lord God and the Lord Jesus Christ, God's son. And it's an amazing thing that as Jesus sat there, he was focusing his attention on this poor widow. You know, all the things that the Lord Jesus had in his mind at this point, as he was coming into the last days of his life, he knew that Judas was going to betray him. He knew he was going to go through that awful trial. He knew that he was going to be crucified. Then he was going to rise again. And then uh, all the birth of the church and everything else. He had so much going on in his mind. Yet he focused his attention for these moments on this widow. And do you know what I find something absolutely beautiful and remarkable in this? Is that the Lord Jesus loves us so deeply, individually. He has time and attention for each of us. You know, it's amazing the details Jesus knew about this woman. He knew that she was a widow. How did he know that? 
She doesn't walking around wearing a T-shirt. I, you know, I'm, I'm a widow. I, I'm not married. So how does he know that? And we're not told that she was one of his disciples or followers, but in his omnipotence, his omniscience, sorry, the fact that he's God and he knows all things, he knew her state that she was a widow. He knew that about her. He also knew that she was poor. Again, there's nothing in the text uh, that tells us that Jesus knew her personally. And we're not told that she was wearing rags and things like that. She may not have been. But she, he knew that she was poor and he called her a poor widow. I think this is remarkable. And he knew what a sacrifice she was making in her giving. This tells me so much about the Lord Jesus Christ. It tells me he knows all about us. You know, sometimes we tend to think that, you know, there's so many people in the world, God doesn't know about me, I'm lost in the crowd. All the people down the years of history, why should God know about me and care about me? Well, he does. And he knows you even better than you know yourself. He knows. And what's even more, he cares. That's the other thing you see about this passage. He cares. And I just find that simple fact something wonderful to take home. And maybe tonight you don't know the Lord as your saviour, but I want to tell you, he knows you. He knows you as a sinner. He knows that you need a saviour, and that's why he came and died on the cross for you and rose again. So if you put your trust in him, you can go to heaven instead of going to hell. He knows, and he cares, and he came to do that for you. So what a wonderful thing to learn about her. We learn, first of all, about her Lord. Praise his name. Second thing we learn about is her love. You know, somebody has said, if you want to know what a person really loves, look what they spend their money on. And that's true, isn't it? You know, uh, some people uh, uh, have hobbies, and that's where their heart is. Where your heart is, that's where your treasure is, uh, says the scriptures. And it's true, you, you pour your money into what your treasure is. Well, what was this lady's heart? Her heart was in the things of God. That meant more to her than anything else in the world. And I think what an example, again, this lady is. That she should put in her money into the, into the work of the temple and the offerings. That meant more to her than buying new clothes or anything else. She was so in love with the Lord, she wanted to give to him. I don't know about you, but... Uh, to me, that moves me and is such an example. Often when you're poor, you're stressed. There's a story uh, I read, uh, I think it was last year actually, over the, over, it was about over Christmas time. I finished reading a book on the life of Billy Sunday, the preacher. You might have noticed I've referenced him a few times uh, with stories. Well, Billy Sunday was a converted baseball player uh, in the days of, uh, of early days of baseball. And he'd been a legend and he'd been very successful. But the Lord called him out of that and called him to be an evangelist. And he actually started off working for the YMCA, not as it is now, but as it was then, which was a, a good Christian work. And he was an evangelist for the YMCA and he was living on a small wage. And uh, one day the telephone rang, uh, and or not telephone, he had a telegram and uh, he he came running into his wife Nell and he said, guess what? Jay Palmer O'Neill, president of the Pittsburgh Pirates, wants me to come back. 
Well, why is that? She said. He said, the season's almost over. Just three months left and they need an outfielder really bad. Guess how much they're willing to pay. She said, how much did they offer? He said, 2000 a month, which back in the 1920s was like megabucks. You think about that today for our, our, our comparison today. About 2000 a month, Sunday said, and her eyes went big. And he went on and he said, Helen needs clothes and you need this. And, that. and she said, stop. She said, we're getting along on $83 a month. Doesn't the Bible say that God will supply all your needs? She turned around and said to him, you play for the pirates if you want to. But I thought all the time that a life of Christian service was what you really wanted. Remember, no man can serve two masters. At which the great preacher who made grown men tremble with his preaching said, thank you now. I'm glad someone in this house has got backbone. <laughs> she had her heart in the right place. And uh, she helped get his heart back in the right place as well. And what an important thing that is. Her love was for the Lord and the things of God. I wonder, does your giving and my giving show where our love is? Is our, heart, is our treasure where our heart is? Do we truly love the things of God more than anything else? Third thing we see here is her life. And by her life, I don't mean, um, you know, the, the story of her life. What I mean is her life, her spiritual life, her light, if you might want to say it that way as well, her knowledge of the things of God. Because this lady had a knowledge and a life, a spiritual life that was stronger than anything else. You know, lots of people are good with money, aren't they? I heard of a young man who was uh, on a very modest salary at a bank. And uh, he began dressing in very expensive clothes. And he bought a new car. And uh, lots of uh, new things started showing up like a new phone. And finally, the personnel manager in the bank came to see him and said, we're a little bit concerned. You're working here in the bank and you're spending a lot more than you're getting paid. They said, how is it that you are only making $150 a week and can spend what must certainly be over $500 a week? And the bank clerk said, well, he said, it's very simple. He said, there are over 300 employees here. And every payday, I raffle off my paycheck at $2 a ticket. <laughs> what a genius. You know, some people are very clever with their money. And they can make money like this. This lady wasn't clever with money in the sense of using it to make money on earth. But she was very wise with her money how she used it for God. And she gave it all to God. Now, do you think she was any the worse off? No. Because the Bible tells us that the Lord remembers our gifts and our giving. You know, 2 Corinthians and chapter 9 tells us that the Lord bestows upon us according to our giving. Just as we give out in our sowing, so he gives back in. And giving to the Lord is treasure laid up in heaven. And this lady was very shrewd to lay hold of the promises of God and live 
by them. Now, she didn't have New Testament promises like you and I do, but uh, she did have Old Testament promises. Psalms 40 verse 17 says, But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinks upon me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, oh my God. She knew she could give because she knew God was in charge of her finances and God would be her helper. In Proverbs chapter 3, it it says, Honour the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. She gave the Lord more than her first fruits. She gave it all. You know, one of the things the commentators, uh, one of the commentators picked up on, which I'd never thought about, was that she had her money in two coins. Two coins. He said if she had had it in one coin, as a, a bigger coin, then you could understand her giving it all, because that was the commodity she had. But when she had two coins, there was a double test. I could give half to the Lord and keep half back for me. But she gave it all. Wow. (laughs) What a woman of faith she was. And what wisdom she had above everyone else in taking hold of the promises of God. And you know what? I've often thought to myself, I ought to preach more sermons on giving. Not because we're trying to get rich and and fat, but because it's a spiritual discipline that Christians should give. But I always feel really guilty of preaching about giving, you know, because uh, we see so many of the American preachers and they come across like money men, you know, give us your money type approach. And it really makes me sick and I know it makes you sick too. So we don't touch the subject of giving. But you know what? When I preach this woman, I don't have to. She's done it for me. (laughs) All I've got to do is tell you about her life. And I guarantee you, every one of us in this room has been challenged by her life about our giving unto the Lord. So let's learn from her life and how, what an example she is in this matter. She was none the worse off for being so faithful to the Lord. And although we would have said to her, you know, charity begins at home. You need to look after yourself and uh, put your needs first. She said, no, it belongs to the Lord. And uh, it, was a, it, was a, it was a wise investment. One Bible commentator said, by human calculation, what this widow gave was insignificant. Measured by the divine standard, however, her contribution was priceless. And God valued it. So I'm going to leave it there tonight. And leave you with the witness of the widow, the poor widow. And pray that that will speak to you as it's spoken to me over this week. Think of her Lord who knew her and loved her and cared for her. Think of her love, her love for the things of God above everything else. Think of her light, her life, her spiritual life. Do you have such a walk with the Lord as well? God bless.